The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. The thing that loves me so deeply is God's Word. Because it, it's, it's Jesus in, in some mysterious way. It's, it's, God, it's the truth of Christ that comes and, and just saturates our heart with the love uh, that we are so desperate for. But what I was so loved by last week is this, is that, that salvation was God's idea. It wasn't man's will or a, a, a father's desire. It was the father's will. He gave, he gave the right permission for us to become children of God. And 1 John 3, 1 says, and that is what we are, because he's lavishly loved us. And so the verse that's been resonating in my heart throughout the week is this. Um, he became poor that we might become rich. Man, the value of heaven came down and intentionally took on our poverty so that he could impart the wealth of heaven, which is himself. He could give himself to us. And the most tangible expression of, and I will be with you to the very end of the age, is that, that God, Jesus said, I must go that he might come. It's better that I go that he comes. God put his kingdom, his spirit, himself in us, and he sanctified us as saints in that moment. He tabernacled us, right? Like he, why? Why was, why was the, the presence of God put inside of a tent in the desert? so that God could abide with humanity, that God could be with his people, right? And so now God has done that in its fullest, you know, it says that prophets longed for these days, right? Jesus said, and that, and that the spirit of God would be imparted to us and that we would be tabernacled in order to be this, this, this expression of light and glory to the world. And that we might, like Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, say, follow me, verse 1. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that others, you know, I just think there's so many, so many parallels and correlations to the Old Testament. That, you know, I, I've mentioned before that I had a, a professor, a seminary professor say, you know, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And we see so much, uh, so much correlation, uh, but revelation of what transpired among the Jewish nation in the Old Covenant. Um, and I, th I see the burning bush here this morning where the burning bush was this curious site that, uh, that, that folks, Moses specifically, was drawn to out of curiosity because it, 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 was, it was burning, but yet it wasn't consumed. And isn't that who we are? You know, like we're indwelt with the consuming fire of God's presence. And now because of the sanctifying work of the cross, because we have, our sin has been atoned for, not in part, but in whole, because of that, now God's spirit can abide in us. And now we can be like that burning bush where people are like, man, he's all lit up, but he's not consumed. Like, I, I sense something's different, something's wonderful and glorious. It, it, it seems to expose me, but I'm drawn to it. Does that not make sense? That's who we're meant to be. These glorious lights that, uh, that reflect not for our glory, but for his. But, and, and it just makes sense to the, to the believers. Like, I got nothing in this. Jesus has done it all. Right? And because of him, I live. 
right? He says, and he says, uh, you know, life came into the, to the world like the life was the light of men. Do you realize that when we are born again, when God seals us with his spirit for eternity, when he gives us that token of the marriage agreement that he's going to finish when he comes back and throw a banquet, and then Luke 12 says he's going to serve his bride because that's what greatness does. I mean, all of that it's just a picture of, what the, uh, of how precious the bride is to, to the son. And the father is preparing a radiant bride for his son. And that's us. And he's using us in each other's lives in order to bring about like his, his kingdom's work, his mission accomplished, which means that every single person on your block, every person that you come in contact with, every co-worker in your life, God has, God has a an intention that you might be that burning bush that draws them in so that you can show them what holy ground is all about. Man, we got to live for his glory. You know, one of the things I find, I, I discover as, uh, as I go through life is that, um, you know, John says later on, we're going to read in chapter 3, verse 30, it says, I must decrease that he might Right, And I, I believe that's the sanctifying work that happens within us. And the more we understand these things, the more we embrace and, and, uh, and we, we join him in this sanctifying work that uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will finish the sanctifying work. He's going to make you into the image of his son. And, uh, and the more we understand that that process, like John says in John 3.30, is that the more we understand that this is a, a dying to me, that I must deny myself, take up my cross daily, this is the prerequisite to following him, that, that I forfeit my life, and that this, and truly we're not giving up anything. It's all gain, right? When we think about it, we think we're losing our life, but truly it's, it's real life that's given to us in exchange. And that life, the life, is the light of men. So this is kind of the backdrop of our text this morning. And I want to read this text because the more I studied it, the more I dove into it, the more I, I just you know, prayed and asked the Lord for understanding in order to be uh, just a... And man, let me please say this. Uh, man, I'm so desperate for God's Spirit to ignite the... The, the, this, this, this vessel, the gifts that he's given me in order for it to be fruitful. And, uh, and man, I just, I just want you to know, I just feel the, the weight of this morning's text, just, uh, just the, the, the rich understanding that brings us into a, a humble posture that just surrenders our lives to be living sacrifices, which is what our, truly our lives look like in worship. Like when we just, like we should live in awe of who it is that died in our place. We should live in awe of the one that came in order to show us the Father. We should live in awe that he loved me when I hated him, right? We, we, we should live in awe of the fact that he embraced our sin in order to give us his Father, in order to give us his presence, to show us his love. And so let's, uh, let's read through this text together. Let's continue in John 1, and it starts in verse 14. Familiar text. I'm going to spend 75% of the message time on this particular verse, verse 14. Uh, we'll read through verse 18, and it starts this way. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory or glory as of the only Son from the Father, full, full of grace and truth. 
John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, speaking of Christ, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God, speaking of Jesus, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So, I'm so you know, when I, when I endeavor to, to prepare and study for a passage, um, you know, I, you know I, I basically just chronologically go through the text and start verse 1 and just start to unpack and pray and ask the Holy Spirit for understanding and, and, uh, and look at other translations. You know, and man... I was stuck on verse 14 for forever because of just the richness in this. Because here's what happens. I feel like sometimes we overemphasize the humanity of Jesus or we de-emphasize the, the, the divinity of Christ. Or we, we, we don't see, we don't acknowledge the fact that he was both fully God and fully man. We, we, he, he did, he, there was an aspect of his divinity, we see this in Philippians chapter 5 verse 6, or excuse me, chapter 2 verse 6, that he, he laid aside. He did not consider equality with God something to be held onto, something to, to be grasped. But he made himself a servant. He made himself, says, a man, nothing in comparison. And so some of the things that, that I just started pondering that, like, like God put himself in skin. God, and think about it this way, guys. Like God took on our, 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 our sin nature. He took on our flesh so that he could then put himself, like he put himself in us so that he might, he might put himself in us. Do you see what I'm saying? Like he, 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 he put himself in skin so that he might put himself through the Holy Spirit in us. He was tabernacled so he might tabernacle us. He dwelt in skin that he might dwell in us. And that's the, that, that's the, that's the glorious mystery of, of the finishing work of the cross. That somehow, through what Jesus accomplished, and, and listen, we were, we were debtors. We, we had sin and the wages of sin is death. We deserved death. We came into this world dead in our trespasses and sin. And the only way out was for Jesus, the perfect one, the, whole, the righteous one. We needed righteousness, right? And the only way that was going to happen is if he imparted it to us. And he, he said this back in Genesis 15, 6. He says, he says Abraham believed God and it, it was credited to him as righteousness. And so we were so desperate for Christ's finishing work that he came and he died in our place. Do we, do we acknowledge the fact that, that the, the, the scourging, the beating, the pain, the suffering, the separation ultimately that, that, that he begged the Father for in, in the garden was ours? And there's no merit in us that, that deserves this, this glorious gift of salvation, which is what God gave us as a right based on the loving sacrifice of his son. And man, I hope you feel grace upon grace. I hope you feel the, the, the wonder of his love. No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. Man, God, like I think we make Jesus out to be a, 
Jewish Nazarene, born in Bethlehem, you know, a glorious man. Uh, but man, like C.S. Lewis said, he's Lord or he's not anything. He is Lord. Like he's demonstrated, he's, he is he has defined that, he has validated that through an empty tomb, and he's resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father. So these were some of the thoughts that I had as I just pondered what Jesus did for us. God wrapped himself in flesh. The author of life was born. The bread of life was hungry. The living water was thirsty. God learned and took a bath and sweat. Think about it. God got tired, God cooked, and he built with his hands. He dealt with human nature. He was tempted. Rest himself slept. He got treated like a man, even like a child. The prince of peace got punched, mocked, and whipped. The lover of our soul got spit on. The author of life, God, died for us on purpose. Man, look, Jesus came on a mission to seek and save that which was lost, to set the captives free. We were truly in bondage to our sin, to our selfishness. We were slave to an enemy that only wanted our demise. And now we've been captured by his love by this glorious like rescue mission that cost him his... He, he realized that he gave up temporarily. He was separated. The Trinity was torn apart, apart so that we could be embraced by it. It's an awesome thing what God has done for us in Christ. So that first verse says, And the word, God's declaration, God's communication of himself... God's herald, uh, the, very, the very words that were spoken at creation that brought about life and everything that we see, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the one, as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, he kind of talks about like this, this, this sense that I have this week in this text where he's just blown away like, Basically saying, we, we saw, we touched, we heard. Like, we are witnesses that, like, God came down. Emmanuel was here, and we were witnesses of this. Listen to what he says. This is the same John. In a different letter, he says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. It was revealed it was shown, and we have seen it. Life himself. Jesus said, John 14, uh, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Life. Life. We were dead apart from him. His presence brings life and light. And so he says, uh, the life was made manifest. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. Zoe, Greek, tells us that this is not life we have to have God's perspective on this. This is life that endures to eternity, which was with the Father, life himself, Jesus Christ, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we pro proclaim also to you. Here's the so that. We see these so often. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
So like the so that in this is the beckoning of John's heart is that you might be brought in and experience the wonder and the richness of koinonia, of fellowship between one another that is, finds its origin, its source uh, in, in, in the Father and the Son. Like, man, they were in perfect harmony and in community before they created us. And it's not good for man to be alone. We were meant for this same type of experience, this rich, intimate this is where the one another's get, get, get fleshed out, get, get expressed, is in this rich, intimate expression of his presence and his unifying work by his spirit. When Jesus was born, he was not part man and part God. He was completely human and completely divine. Look at Colossians 2 uh, verse 9. It says this, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Before, before Christ came, people could, not, could know God partially. After Christ came, people could know God fully because he became visible and tangible. And then he said, this mission's not even complete until I go and he comes. And so now the convincing work of the Holy Spirit is revealing to us. He calls us, uh, just like provokes us to call him Abba Father. Can you imagine like... How, like, we've talked about this before, but like, he starts off the Lord's Prayer with our Father. Do you know how chastised he was for calling God Father? Blasphemy. And yet he says, our Father? Like, we're invited into the throne room, right? We're invited into his presence. This is the very God of the universe. And he took on skin in order to be our sacrificial lamb. Like he did that. Why? Because he said clearly, for no greater love than this, right? And he says, he says to demonstrate, Romans 5, 8, to demonstrate God's own love for us. To demonstrate his love, his own love for us. So don't miss this. God took, I said this earlier, but this is kind of the essence of the passage. God took on flesh so that flesh could take on God, right? Like this is the mission of Jesus so that he could abide with us, that he could fulfill, right? Every promise is made yes in, in Christ, right? Every promise is made yes in Christ. So the promise that I will never leave you or forsake you was fully realized when God put his spirit to abide with us in a, permanent, in a more permanent way. We've been tabernacled. And where was the tabernacle going? Where was the leading of, that, of God's presence in the tabernacle leading them to? To the promised land, right? A typology of of heaven, right? Like it's, this is where the spirit is leading us. He's leading us in this triumphant procession that yes, is filled. It's covered in, in suffering. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like for us to, to share in, in fellowship with him. But man, the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form in Christ. And God took on flesh that we, so that flesh could take on God. Is that good news, guys? God, Jesus went through all of that so he could be uh, in a more intimate way abiding in us. And then he could, you know, I love uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, for we are God's what? Workmanship, right? We are God's poem. We are God's masterpiece, right? And how did we get there? Created in Christ Jesus. That's how we got there, right? So we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which he prepared in advance for us to do. Why were we made masterpieces? So that we would work for the glory of God. And that is where abundant life is found, is when we serve him based on the calling and gifting that God's given us. Man, that's when, when we light up for the glory of God and others are drawn to him. Every single one of you have gifts. And those gifts are meant, one, as we see in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, are aimed at loving. Like that's what, you know, I will show you a more excellent way if we can speak in tongues of men and of angels. Like, like the purpose of our gifts is to love. If that's not the aim, we're missing the point of why God has empowered us. And we're clothed, right? We're clothed with power, the Holy Spirit on high in order to be witnesses. And why do we witness? Why do we witness to the world? Because it's the only thing that makes sense. We've got a cure for man's death disease of sin. And the only thing that makes sense is we get up there and we herald it just like the light, not covered by the basket, put it on a, on, on a hill, sit it. I mean, that's the purpose of a light, right? And we're, we're called to be the same, lit up for the glory of God so that others might know. Someone, someone did that for you. Many probably did that for you. And we follow in their footsteps. Listen to Colossians 1, 15 through 20 as we think about like God, take Emmanuel, God taking on flesh for us in Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. We're talking about Jesus, the word. You know, it says in, 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 uh, in, in uh, Genesis 1, you know, and he said, and it was, and he said, and it was, you know, like he spoke. What was he speaking? His son, like some, Jesus was the word that brought forth everything that we know. Like, so it says, for by him, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. Listen to this. All things were created through him and what? For him. You are, you are recreated. You are a new creation for, for Jesus. Like, it's, it's just not about us anymore. It's about us dying to us so that we can live for him. It's exactly what Jesus modeled for us. He died in obedience to the Father so that we might live. You know, we're saved to serve, to serve for the benefit of others. So all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in, in him, listen to this, in Christ all things hold together, including your life. You ever feel like you're coming apart? Crawl into his arms and be reminded that he is the glue of the universe, that he's the one that holds us together, right? All things hold together in him. And it goes on to say, um, if I can find my place, um, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, right? We're simply the hands and feet. We're simply, we, we take direction from, the, from, the, from the, the great shepherd, right? We take direction from him and let us lead, lead us into uh, this great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might, be, he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness, isn't this beautiful? All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell 
in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Can we just pray for a moment? Father, thank you for your, your glorious mission to rescue us from eternal separation from you, and that your mission was has been clearly defined as a mission of love in order to reconcile humanity and that it's your heart that none should perish. Lord, the fields are white to harvest. Send laborers and let that labor, who will I send? Let it be our hearts. Oh, send me, Lord, that we would be these glorious reflections of you. Help us to die to self. Help us to, to deny ourselves, Lord so that your glorious work might be realized in us and through us and that collectively as a body of Christ, we might be a lighthouse to this community and we might love people to the glorious God that you are. Help us to do that, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ is the perfect expression of God in human form. Perfect. The two most common errors that people make about Jesus are minimizing his humanity or minimizing his divinity. Jesus is both divine and human. Listen, this is, this is depicted for us in Philippians 2, 5, and, uh, 5 through 11. And the, and the verses right before this says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having the same, verse 5, having the same attitude or mindset of that of Christ Jesus. So really, it's a humble posture. It's a, it's a posture that serves others, puts your needs aside for the benefit of theirs. And then, what, what, what does it say? That we, we get a picture, like the, the, the chief example, the prime example is Jesus. And listen to what it says here. Have this mind among yourselves, this attitude, the NIV says, this mindset, which, you, which is yours, is yours. It's, it's imparted to us through the Holy Spirit, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 2 tells us, uh, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then listen to what 6 says to us. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, if we don't understand what this is saying, we miss the, the, the whole thrust of the rest of this. What he was saying is, he was in, in the form, he was in form, he was God. But he did not consider equality with God something to be held on to grasped in other words he let go and that's when it starts to the text starts to light up like he condescended he humbled himself like god took on skin entered into our muck our mess our brokenness our darkness and he came down and took on our darkness and died in our place and shown i mean he came to those that were his and they disowned him right like Listen to what this goes on to say. He, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, which, 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 which was his, a thing to be held on to, to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. For he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the forerunner. This is the example that he set for us. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men 
and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's where we get the word excruciating from. It's the, it's the form of, of, of execution that the Roman government used. And he, he became obedient to this. Like, he chose this. He embraced this for the joy set before him, Hebrews says. Like, he, he ran to this. He said, Peter, get out of my way. You do not have the things of God in mind. You have the things of man. I'm going to finish the mission. And this mission meant that you were loved beyond your wildest dreams and rescued to the bosom of God, to, the, to his presence. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, to glory of God the Father. So by becoming human, Christ became a couple of, well, three things I want to point out here. So three things. If you're taking notes, these will be on, on, uh, on the, on, online later. Uh, but if you're taking notes, there's three things here that uh, in Jesus becoming human, Christ became for us. He became the perfect teacher, the perfect teacher. In Jesus' life, we see how God thinks and therefore how we should think, how we should operate towards one another and life. Um, the, Jesus became the perfect example. As a model of what we, we are to become, Jesus shows us how to live and gives us the power by his spirit to live that way. A uh, good example, 1 Peter 2, 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And then finally, the perfect sacrifice. Jesus came as a sacrifice for all sins. And his death satisfied God's requirement for the removal of sin. Man, let us not believe for a second that God just laid aside in your unique situation. You were just so special that God, and I'm not saying that you're not unique, God's fingerprint, all of that. But God did not just overlook his, 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 his righteous standards just to say, come on in. No, he poured out the wrath that was due, the breaking of that righteous standard on his son in order to demonstrate his love so that he might embrace you. And man, that just, that makes it, that makes it so much more rich and profound for me that God is both just and justifier, right? That he's both, that he doesn't lower the just standard, uh, but he, he sent his son, he took the penalty and the, the cost himself Colossians 1, 19 through 22, and this is a continuation from a verse we read earlier. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And then this is the continuation. And you, please embrace this. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body, Jesus, of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Guys, don't miss this last piece. In order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. 
Because when we don't acknowledge that that is the, the result of Christ's finishing work, we minimize the implications and the results, the fruit of what Christ died to accomplish for us. It's, it's us not believing that we're, what, what, what are we because of Christ? What are we because we have uh, accepted, received, and believed what Christ did on our behalf? What are we? We are holy and blameless and above reproach before who's him? God the Father. Do you know that? Because sometimes we, I think we underestimate the power of the cross, the significance of what Jesus did for us, like the, the, the full expression of what it accomplished. It accomplished this in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. And we're saved, but we're also being saved. We're, we're also being, you're going, well, I don't really sense that in my actions. But that's what the Holy Spirit is doing when he comforts and counsels and convicts you. Think about the expression of God's word. It says in, uh, in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is God breathed. And listen to what, it, what it's useful for. Remember, and he's the truth. He's the word, right? All scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. This is what the spirit of God is doing in us in order to sanctify us, in order to, 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 to re- realize that promise, that reality. But guys, can you believe and receive the fact that this is what the cross has accomplished for you? You know what that does? That doesn't give us a license to sin. It, it absolutely overwhelms us with the, with the love of God and it motivates us to radical obedience. Because we're, we're recipients of something that's so, so glorious. And you know what else it does? It frees us from having to be loved by something or someone else. Because we're so loved, we're so satisfied in Christ that we're not susceptible to love me, love me. And being people pleasers because God, because of Christ, God is pleased with us. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Are we in Christ? Man, it's, it, yes, to believe, to believe the scriptures is, it, it requires the, the help of the Holy Spirit, but can you believe that you are holy, and blameless, and above reproach before him. I think we, we, we sell the cross short. We sell what Jesus came and did and died for short. Like we don't really, like we're not believing it. We're not, and when we do, like there's a grace that comes. There's a, there's a truth that's written on our heart. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a posture that's created. And it's not arrogance. It's God confidence, right? It's not self-confidence. That's not what the Spirit's up to. He's trying to, to build God confidence in us so that we walk by faith and not by sight. Does that make sense? Man, God, God wants you. Man, oh, you of little faith. God wants us to believe him for the great things that he does. You know, I, I, he walks into his hometown. Jesus walks into his hometown. And they're like, isn't this the carpenter? Or another case, another, isn't this the carpenter's son? Jesus followed in his foot, you know, in Joseph's footsteps. And then, and don't we have his brothers and his mother and his sisters among us? You know, like, so who does he think he is? You know, and, and, uh, and, 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 and they didn't like him, right? Man, guys, man, let's, let's not let faith, because Jesus goes on to say in that situation that he, couldn't, he, he, he could do very little because of their lack of faith. In him, 
in acknowledging who he is and what he can do. Nothing is impossible with God. That's good news. That is good news. So John 14 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I've mentioned earlier that this means that he, he was tabernacle. Listen to what it says. The Greek word for dwelt means tabernacled or pitched tent. The Greek, reader, uh, the Greek reader familiar with the Old Testament, this would have easily brought to mind the Old Testament tabernacle. In, in a sense, Jesus was God's new tabernacle. God in Jesus dwelt among people. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And now he is, says, you will do even greater things than I. Why? Because now he's got a bunch of tabernacles out there. Right? He's, he's lighting up the world with the, with the saints, with the ones that he's put life in, and the life was the light of men. Right? And you are the light of the world. Right? A city on a hill. Go therefore, be a light, right? That God gets the glory. This is the aim. And so the man living with his disciples, or this man living with his disciples, was God incarnate. I think John was the one that just, just got overwhelmed by that, blown away by that. Just, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm abiding. He, he said, come and see, right? He says, uh, where are you staying, Lord, right? And Jesus says, come and see. He just wanted to be with him. Where are you staying? Because I want to stay there too. This is John's first words to Jesus. Maybe Andrew. But they were together. And, and what, what did he say? He said, come and see. Right? Man, God, God is inviting us in to himself. And, you know, so often we want, we want the fruit of God's presence, but, but we don't want just God's presence. That's what heaven is. Let's just seek him for him. Because he's the gift. So here's the cool thing. These disciples must have been blown away. They're, I mean, like Peter was asked, you know, well, they were all asked, you know, who do they say that I am? Well, some say Elijah, some say a prophet, you know, on and on. And then, they, and then he says what? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, as always, jumps in first. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? This is the rock that, that, that he's going to build the church upon, right? That, that declaration, that truth. And, uh, he, but he says this. This has not come to you from man. Only, only God could reveal this to you. Man, God wants to impart the word, Christ himself. But you know what the catalyst in that is? We've got to acknowledge Jesus for the full expression of who he is. We have to, we have to acknowledge the fact, don't miss this, we have to acknowledge the fact that he was before the beginning. We have to acknowledge that this is, you know, in the beginning was the word Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. We have to acknowledge that the nativity story didn't start in Bethlehem. Like Jesus' life did not begin there. That, that, that eternity God indwelled skin and continued to express his love, his grace, his desire to reconcile humanity throughout his ministry on earth for 30, about 33 years. And so what we also must acknowledge is he took on flesh. He limited his, his to, to a certain degree. Like, remember when they climb, uh, Jesus always seems to take the three with him, right? You know, Peter and James and, and John. And, and they climb the mountain, leave the nine down to deal with the father who, you know, they just can't seem to deal with their, his son. And, and, uh, and he climbs the mountain and he, then his full glory is revealed, right? 
They said the light was like lightning. Like they couldn't even come up with a white that, to, that could describe this. And this is when, so if you think about that, he, he had limited his glory in his flesh. But, but there it's, it's exposed. In fact, Peter talks about this. Listen to what Peter says about this. For we did not follow cleverly, this is Peter now, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now that's what he was talking about. For when, we, when he received honor and glory from God, the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Like that, his glory was revealed. So we must acknowledge that he was before. We must acknowledge that the mission of him taking on humanity and flesh. And then we also must acknowledge that he didn't stay dead because the grave could not hold him. And that he left an empty tomb and he rose again, walked the planet for another 40 days, was, was visible to over 500 people, and then he ascended right before their eyes. And 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came and just tabernacled 120 people, which, which within, it was 9 a.m., I don't know what the timeline was, but 3,000 was added to their number that day. And it blew up and it went to 15 known languages in the dispersion. Like God is lighting up the world. Are you a part of it? Are you joining him in reflecting the glory of God? Give him your attention. Give him your gaze. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Be all in. That's what he describes. He says, you know, you're either hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm because that makes me sick. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. God wants all of us and he's because he's given us all of him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just, just the wonder of what you teach us. We thank you that, uh, that you, have, you have shown us the Father, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you continue to show us who he is. And you continue to reveal to us the wonder of your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the fullness of the Father and that you continue to bestow grace upon grace. Your mercies are new every morning. You don't run out. You don't run out of mercy and grace and love and kindness. Uh, you don't run out of these things that we don't, we can't out your grace. We can't find a limit to your love. That your, your mercies just endure and your, your, the fullness of grace upon grace that you continue to show us the Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you've embraced us into your presence. Help us to never take that for granted. Help us to understand the purpose that we've been given, this glorious gift, and let us go and shine a light for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.